Welcome to the Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. Hi, Dee. Hi, Carol. Is it chilly there? Why do we always have to talk about the weather? <laughs> because that's what gardeners do. It is. <laughs> chilly Chilly is an understatement today, March the 5th. It is 17 degrees. Well, we were at 11 this morning, but we, unlike yesterday, we've gotten all the way to 38 so far, so I'm feeling pretty good. So maybe tomorrow, if that weather moves my direction, I'll have a warmer day tomorrow. I sure hope so. We're supposed to have a much warmer week, and I'm grateful because we're way under our normal weather patterns for March, you know? Right. We've got snow on the ground. And I believe that the wind chill here would be called uh, Arctic cold. It's just biting. It is Arctic cold. Yeah, it's definitely biting. It's been terrible for days. So thank goodness for, you know, good warmth inside. Thank goodness we aren't pioneers. So there is a great place to go on a day like today if you're a gardener. And what place would that be? A conservatory. Oh, yes. And that's what we're going to talk about today is gardens under glass. Yes. Very excited. Well, before we get started on gardens under glass, I think you should share an announcement about something new in your life. Oh, yeah. So people think, new? Did you get a puppy? Did you finally get a cat? What's new in Carol's life? She finally has her third book of her trilogy of gardening humor. Last week, Seeded and Sodded, Thoughts from a Gardening Life was published. Is now available on Amazon, and probably sometime while we're recording this podcast, the UPS guy's going to show up at my door with 100 books. Yay! I'm so proud of you, Carol. You've worked really, really hard on this trilogy. And you know what's funny? Just as I said that, I looked up, and indeed, the UPS guy is about to ring my doorbell and bring the books. Well, if he does ring your doorbell, then you might want to run and get it. And then I'll keep people occupied. I can watch for burglars from the front window, so we're fine. Oh, that's right. You've got one of those special doorbells that you can actually see people. Well, that, and I'm just, I'm looking out the front window <laughs> okay. by the door. <laughs> there goes Did that you hear doorbell. The doorbell? <laughs> yeah, I heard it. That's funny. Anyway, so Seated and Sodded, Thoughts from a Gardening Life is my third book of, of humor related to gardening, 36 chapters. It joins my first book, Potted and Prune, Living a Gardening Life, and my second book, Homegrown and Handpicked, A Year in a Gardening Life, to create the perfect trilogy for any gardener, male, female, young, old. I think people will enjoy it. I think they will, too. You write great garden humor. You're very funny. Thank you. So, let's... Oh, go ahead. There's more. (laughs) There's more. (laughs) I'm going to give away a copy of Seeded and Sodded to one of our listeners. And so at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell them how to enter and the bonus that goes with the book. Ooh, very cool. I like it. All right. So now let's garden under glass. Oh, let's. Because you know what? This time of year, you got to do something because you can't really get outside. So you got to have some plants indoors or you're about to lose your freaking mind. Right. And a lot of people... They have plants indoors, but what is really cool, I love terrariums. I do too. I've grown terrariums for quite a while. 
And so a terrarium, I think everybody knows what a terrarium is, but it's a it's a basically a garden grown in a glass container. And they can range from little small containers that hold like one plant to jar giant huge terrariums that hold a whole garden of plants. Right. They can include all kinds of things, but basically it's a garden that is under glass. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. And some terrariums are open, so the top of them is open or the side is open, and then others are closed, which means it's kind of a closed environment. And terrariums were the hot thing in the 70s along with macrame. So terrariums became a very, very big thing, and I learned to like them then, and I really like the new terrariums now. Yeah, there's so many options out there, everything from... Um, repurposed glass containers, like I've seen them take uh, a big glass candy jar that's got a lid, and then uh, they plant a plant or two in there, and that's a terrarium. Mm-hmm. To I've got what uh, a giant terrarium on a stand in my sunroom. Isn't it like a Wardian case? Don't you have a Wardian case on a stand? Yes, it's like a Wardian case. And for listeners who don't know, Wardian cases were gigantic glass cases used by plant explorers back in the day to bring plants back alive from the far-flung corners of the earth, mostly taking them back from um, Asia or South America or even America over to England where they were just mad for any kind of plant that didn't actually grow in England. Right, exactly. And um, they were... They were created by a man named Ward, and I've got it on our notes, but I cannot locate it right now. Nathaniel, that's his name. Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward is the first person who came up with the Wardian case because he noticed that when he went on a voyage and tried to bring back plants packed in sawdust or packed in other materials, that some of them dried out, some of them rotted. And he also couldn't control the temperature very well. But with a Wardian case, he could control all of those things to a certain level. The temperature would be the hardest part, but a Wardian case is a case that you can open and close. And I have one, too. Mine just sits on a table. And so I put all kinds of things in my Wardian case, and I change stuff in and out of it all the time. I don't actually keep the same plants in it all the time. But... I have a great terrarium. I have about four, well, I've had four. I think I have three terrariums right now. And I do best with the closed terrariums. I've tried the open terrariums, but I can't ever keep the environment quite right. And so I have decided that closed terrariums are more my style. think a case of right plant, right place. That with the right plants... I do too. An open terrarium does really well. And so the right plants might include... Less obvious terrarium plants like cactus and succulents would do better with it open and a little bit drier. I agree. That's true. But you know what? Another reason they needed the closed Wardian cases on those long sea voyages back to England was because they needed to preserve the moisture around the plants because fresh water was a commodity that was in, was a finite supply on most ships. And so... Short supply. So if they didn't have enough... (laughs) For the men to drink, the men, and we think of swashbuckling pirates at this point, and seafaring captains like, you know. (laughs) Captain Cook or something. 
the people came before the plants, and so sometimes they just didn't right. have enough water to keep the the plants going. And so, another very popular thing to collect was the seeds, because if they got there in the right season, right. seeds were easier to transport. They were easier to transport, but as you know, some things you can't get as seeds, and so they'd try to bring back cuttings. Um, and sometimes that worked, sometimes it didn't. Also, we should point out that on these voyages, the plant hunters were way down on the totem pole of passengers. True, you know? true. And the plants, right? Yes. They usually kind of hitched a ride. So we they had to be especially conscious of being very careful with their finite resources. So what do you want to talk about next? How to make a terrarium? Yeah. Let's talk about how to make a terrarium. So let's just say, okay. well, first, um, let's just say you want to do a basic terrarium. And the most basic terrarium I can think of is when you get over your tropical fish phase of your life, you're left with this 10-gallon aquarium. And that's a good container. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You had a tropical fish phase? Well, didn't everybody? <laughs> no. I did not. My dad had loved tropical fish, so I guess I never had a phase because he went through well, it. I, but tell my me. My dad always had tropical <laughs> fish, and we enjoyed him, um, and he really enjoyed it. So I decided, because I didn't have any pets, that fish would be a good first pet for me because okay. I grew up with tropical fish. So I got an aquarium, and I got some fish, and... That came time to select the plants for the aquarium, you know, to aquascape it. So they pointed to the wall with all the plastic bags full of plastic plants in every color conceivable. And I thought, hmm, those are plastic plants, not my thing. But they had this tank (laughs) and they had like real plants, live plants. And I thought, that's what I'm going to have in my aquarium. So I planted live plants in my aquarium, and I had fish, and everything was really going well, Dee. They really grew, and the plants grew so well that it was like a, I don't know, it was like an Amazon jungle inside the aquarium. So how were those fish doing with the plants taking over their space? Well, you know, they were doing all right. I hadn't lost but a few. Good. Um, <laughs> but I, a few. Okay. I, I bought tropical fish that they said would go well with live plants like neon tetras i remember i don't remember much else but i remember them anyway one day there was so much growth in that aquarium i looked at it and i thought i really need to trim back some of those plants so i rolled up my sleeves plunged my hands in the aquarium and i trimmed up the plants d just made a face listening audience when i said that um i don't like the idea of sticking my hands in an aquarium my so, husband has a pond. I have to deal with the pond as it is. Anyway, so I, fish poop is not my thing unless, of course, we're fertilizing plants. And then it stinks. But go ahead. So anyway, <laughs> I trimmed them up and things looked a little bit better. And then about a week later, I woke up one day and the tank was just almost consumed by a big algae bloom. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> I think I, I messed up the whole ecosystem in there. So... Um, that was pretty much, I was kind of over it at that point and, um, I was down to about three fish and I called my sister who had like a six year old boy and I said, Hey, you think he'd like an aquarium? And she says, Oh yeah, he'd love that. I could not drain that 
fish aquarium fast enough. I put the little fish in a little bowl and chunked that thing over to her as fast as I could. But assuming you didn't get rid of your aquarium, assuming you still have it, you think that's a good thing to start a terrarium with? Yeah, I mean, if you have one, they're pretty basic and you just have to put a, you have to find a cover for it. And you can use the cover that comes for the aquarium if you can get it sealed because that puts a light on it as well. And some people need light for the aquariums. Okay, so this is my tip on terrariums. Go ahead. I say go buy a glass jar that has a lid. In fact, they sell them as giant cookie jars at the major stores. I'm not going to name names. You can buy one for like $5.99. You can also go to those discount stores like TJ Maxx, Marshalls, that type, and you can almost always find jars, glass jars. Because when I started liking terrariums again, I went on a glass jar hunt. And some places are really expensive for the same jars. Oh, yeah. But you want to you want a pretty jar that has a glass top. And my best one, I'm holding my hands up because I don't know how big that is. I'm thinking. It's about nine inches, you know, across, and it's probably... 12 or 13 inches in height, has a real pretty little ball on top. And I have had plants in that terrarium for about three or four years. That's great. And they've done just fine. Yeah, because it's all enclosed and I don't have to water it very often. In fact, if you have a closed terrarium, at least in my case, I only have to water them about once a year. That makes sense because they produce their own moisture. They Their little ecosystem gets going and they get plenty of condensation as the plants transpire the water it kind of condenses and drops back down to the soil and you you create like a little your own little kingdom your own little earth i think that's why i like them it's my own little earth i think i love them actually so in this one you in your notes that you made you talked about adding gravel and charcoal yes um the activated charcoal sort of helps to i don't know uh discourages bacterial growth in the the terrarium, which can be a problem in some cases. And I'm talking not about the charcoal briquettes that you buy and throw on the barbecue and light, you know, with a big whoosh of lighter Mm -hmm. fluid. I'm talking about (laughs) horticultural charcoal, and sometimes it's called activated charcoal. And most uh, plant stores or garden centers will have small bags of this. And so I put Mm -hmm. uh, a layer of of, um, just like pea gravel And the depth sort of depends on the size of the container. The bigger the container, the deeper you probably want to make that. Then a a nice layer of the charcoal. And then on top of that, um, some sort of clean, I'll say clean potting soil. I don't think you can get sterile potting soil, but clean potting soil. So, okay, so let's be clear on this. All right, so I've never used activated charcoal in any of my terrariums. I know people do, but I've never had to use it. I do use a layer of gravel. And oddly enough, I put my gravel on top of the potting soil, and that works too. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't seem to matter. But the big issue is, I think, if you are going to do this, you want to buy very clean pea gravel or whatever type shells, whatever type of layers you put in this. Because some people put layers for attractiveness, and there's also some stuff written about how we aren't supposed to do layers now, but I can tell people that it doesn't matter. I've done it with layers, without layers. It didn't matter a bit. It just You just want to make sure it's clean. Whatever you put in there needs to be super clean. So you want to use potting soil, like open a new bag of potting soil. Exactly. Do not use soil out of your garden. 
Okay, so you've done all this, and you've kind of dampened it, right? So yes. So it's damp, moist, and then you add your plants, right? Exactly. Then you add your plants. So simple. Well, it sounds simple, but I don't know. I mean, it's kind of simple, I guess. I mean, you've got to be careful not to put plant. Like I've done times where I picked three little tiny plants and thought it'd work great, all tropical in my closed terrarium. But somebody always wants to grow way faster than the other two. Exactly. I was going to say, you want to, without being all matchy-matchy, you want to have plants that have similar light, moisture requirements and that probably grow at about the same rate. For example, philodendrons can grow fairly quickly. So, Oh, my goodness. Don't put those in a terrarium. They're not a Do good not. terrarium Otherwise. plant unless you want, like, instant. <laughs> Yeah, and then all you'll do is trim back those philodendrons the rest of your life. So, and then don't, you know, succulents are really attractive and there are tons of succulents out there, but succulents don't go well with tropical plants. Right, and succulents need to go in an open terrarium. Open, leave the lid off. Right. There's always a picture going around like on Facebook or Instagram of somebody who has a closed terrarium that's been growing since 1970, and it just looks like a big, lush, perfect amount of growth. And that is like one of in a million. It's even a myth. So I would don't say it's fake news. Yes. So don't think of a terrarium <laughs> as a permanent planting. It's not like putting a tree in your yard where you want that sucker to live for 20 uh-uh. years. You want it to be attractive. But you also want to be willing to pull plants out as they, if they die. You want to be able to replace plants. Maybe even um, in my wardian case, uh, sometimes when I have actual plants in it, I like to actually keep them in their own clay pots. And that way they're easy to take out and, and replace with something else. If it's going through a sort of an icky period or maybe I put a calancho in there that was blooming and it's not blooming, I take it out. And I put something else in there. So that's another tip. I completely agree on the um, wardian case. Mine has little, I mean, I have some moss that's always in there, you know, that reindeer moss. But after that, I just, um, I just switch stuff in and out all the time because things get tired and it also isn't the perfect environment. So mine isn't. So I just switch things in and out. It's more of a decorative thing in my garden, in my garden, in my house. Yes. You can find, if you don't have the either the patience for a terrarium or you don't want to put have space for it or whatever, you can create that look of a terrarium by inverting like a, a piece of glass over a plant. Like a cloche. Like a cloche, yes. Mm-hmm. Should we explain what a cloche is? Yes, Dee, go ahead. Tell them. <laughs> A garden cloche, it's called a cloche because it came out of France. It's C-L-O-C-H-E. And it is a glass container or another type of material, but they started out as glass. And you'll see a lot of them now in home decorator stores. And it has a big ball on the end and it's shaped in a bell shape. And you just put it on top of like a plate, a decorative plate or something else. And then you put a small plant inside, right? Yes. Yes. And I like... um I have a gigantic glass cloche that I never take out to the garden. No. And I like to do I just I like to do exactly what you said. For the springtime, Easter time, I go buy some little violas that are blooming and you can put those in a pot or two or three, put it on a pretty plate and then put that cloche over it and it makes a nice centerpiece. 
It makes it look like you went to visit Terrain and bought one of their really expensive things. But you always have the garden cloche, so you can just switch them in and out. I have three or four, and I do not normally put them outside because they're glass and it's too easy for them to get broken. Even though they originally were created to be in the garden to cover something if you were going to have a freezing, freezing temperature overnight. So... Yeah, sort of like a portable cold frame. Yeah, exactly like that. Shall we talk? What shall we talk about next? Well, once you get into terrariums and tropicals, then the natural thing is to want to go visit like the terrarium you can walk into, which is otherwise known as a conservatory. And we've mm-hmm. been to so many conservatories, gardening on garden tours with uh, GardenCom mm-hmm. and other opportunities to travel and see gardens. We have. Unfortunately, we often go to gardens in the summertime when it's hot, and the last place you want to be is in a greenhouse or a conservatory. But the place you want to be on a day like today when it's 19 degrees out is inside a conservatory with all the lush tropical growth. Right, because you can go breathe some oxygen and see some green and the light that comes through. We should talk about that a little bit, that anytime you put something under glass, it intensifies the light. So you want to be careful with your terrariums about putting them too close to a window. They need a little bit of not, not don't put them in the shade, but they need more like morning light than afternoon light in a terrarium. The same thing with glass houses. That's why we don't go in them in the summer because they're hot unless they're air conditioned. Some are air conditioned. So you've actually been to one, a couple in England that I have never been to. I have. I went to, I went on a trip to England, my first trip to England. And um, I, one of the reasons I went on that trip was because we went to Kew And Kew is known for its palm house and parterre. And the palm houses that everybody's seen, anybody who's ever looked at greenhouses online has seen the palm house at Kew. But unfortunately, (laughs) the year I went, it was undergoing restoration and it was completely encased in like this rubber plastic stuff. So even though the outline of the house was there, I did not see the famous... Palm House and Parterre. I did see the Temperate House, and it was pretty cool too. But I've got to say, we've seen some beautiful and amazing green greenhouses conservatories in the United States too. We've seen yes. the one at Biltmore in Asheville. We've seen the Phipps Conservatory in Pittsburgh. The Atlanta Botanical Garden has one. In other words, oh, and I sh- we can't forget the Buffalo Botanic Garden because we've been to it twice. And right. it's, it's conservatory. They actually had um, wonderful food for us in it last time. So yes. we've been to some really great places. We've been to the three that are in Chicago, and we've been there twice. And so I yep. feel like we're really grateful. I went through a stage where I was an absolute nut about conservatories, and that was because I wanted a greenhouse of my own. And, and you got one. I did. I wrote for Lowe's, you know, Lowe's. I wrote for Lowe's for three years, and I saved every bit of money I made from it. And with it, I bought a greenhouse from a company in Boston. And that greenhouse still it works, and I think this is my fifth year with that greenhouse. Um, I will say this. It's a heck of a lot easier to build a terrarium than it is to keep a greenhouse going in the winter and keep the bug infestation down and make sure you don't run out of heat. So I would not say greenhouses are for the amateur gardener. I would agree with that. Now, I 
prevented from getting a greenhouse in my current location because I have covenants of the neighborhood that don't allow outbuildings. And so I have a, I knew that when I built the house. So I have a sunroom that provides quite a bit of light and I can do all my seed starting and in that room. You know, I don't, I sometimes start seeds in my greenhouse, but mostly I just overwinter cuttings from last year of all of the tropical plants that I grow in my summer garden. But I usually do, I may start my seeds out there, but a lot of times because the light still isn't good enough, I use um, my seed starting station in the basement that that's what I use because it has lights and I can really control how much light the plants get and also the temperature. My greenhouse is not a super warm greenhouse. I keep it about 50 degrees because I also have citrus in there. Yeah, and if you keep it um, like at 70 degrees, that is an expensive heating bill in the wintertime in our both of our climates. Yeah, I would say it's expensive anyway because mine has – people ask me all the time how I do it. I have two stages of heat. I have um, both propane heat and I have electric heat. And so, yes, it's not a cheap thing to do. Now, I have a friend who bought a really expensive greenhouse, from one of the English ones, and I think hers is all like central heat. And so I don't know what her bills are like. She just got it this, I think it was just this year, this year or last year. But good on her. Her name's Teresa. When I was a kid, I used to um, order those greenhouse catalogs Mm -hmm. and just try to convince my dad to put a greenhouse out in our backyard. But I never really got him convinced to do it. I would love to have a Hartley greenhouse, but they're like forty to $50,000. And that just seems a little extreme, even for me. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that is quite a bit of money. You have to really, um, it, it, it requires, I think, a certain sort of property to have a greenhouse like that. So let's talk about how greenhouses got started, how conservatories got started, and why the Victorians were so crazy about them. Okay, but first I have a question. Oh, yes. You know the old saying that the best day of a guy's life is the day he gets a boat, and the second best day is the day he sells the boat? So is that true Mm -hmm. of greenhouses or...? No, that's not okay. true of greenhouses. Because here's the deal. As much trouble as they are, and I'm just honest about it because it's it's not the easiest thing ever, the truth of the matter is when it is snowing outside or the weather is just god-awful, I go out there in that greenhouse, shut the door, and it's summer inside. Oh, that's nice. It's worth every penny. That's good. Good to know. Now I have complete <laughs> greenhouse envy because I don't have one, and you do. I'm sorry. You have things I don't have. That's true. Tell us about how conservatories got started. You were about to talk about Queen Victoria, I believe. I was, because Queen Victoria, I don't know if this was the first you know, group of greenhouses, but this is right during the time. On the latest episode of the show, Victoria, it was all about the Great Expe- Exhibition, which was Prince Albert's baby. Prince Albert wanted to create the Great Exhibition to, to profile all over the world what was happening with the Industrial Revolution. And he wanted various parts of the world to share it. And so he was looking for a building to build it, and he decided eventually he asked a man named Paxton 
to Joseph Paxton, who was working, he worked at Chatsworth House, okay? Joseph Paxton is famous for several things, but he's really, really famous about conservatories. And he grew the Victoria Regia Lily, which means the Queen Victoria Lily. Guess who he named it after? And so those are those lilies, those water lilies that we see at every conservatory that are just huge and you can... Small children can stand on them. And we know this because there's some famous pictures of children standing on them, and Chatsworth stood his own daughter on them. And that's how he came out with some greenhouse designs, including the one, the Great Conservatory at Chatsworth, was its design was based on that lily. But he had been working with um, hothouses, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff because he wanted to grow pineapples. So he was doing something called a forcing frame, which is interesting. Smaller frames, you know the ones? Right. Yeah. I have two out in front of mine, too. So he decided to go and put in his bid for a building for the Great Exhibition. And the building was made entirely out of glass, wood, and steel, or iron. Not steel yet. We don't have steel. Iron. And so it became known as the Crystal Palace Exhibition because of the Crystal Palace. And that's why to this day that conservatories are called Crystal Palaces. Oh. And the Crystal Palace, isn't that cool? That is cool. It was in Hyde Park. It happened in Hyde Park. And afterwards they moved it. And then eventually it was destroyed by fire in 1936. And even though the UK still has a lot of greenhouses because everybody became conservatory mad, all the great lords and ladies and duchesses and dukes wanted their own, you know, conservatories so that they could grow stuff out of season. They could bring back plants from other parts of the world and, you know, various things. But they soon found out what all greenhouse owners know, which is they are hard to maintain for lots of reasons. It's hard to keep the temperature right. And back then they did it with coal and wood firing generators, which I can't imagine, but they did. And so it's very hard to do that. But what else happens in a greenhouse like a terrarium that is closed that might be hard on iron and wood? Uh, let me guess. The moisture might cause the wood to rot and the iron to rust. Exactly. So all these gr- a bunch of these great conservatories were destroyed, including the great conservatory at Chatsworth. It was destroyed in the 1920s. However... Q kept theirs, and a bunch of other places did too. And now they see them as true um, wonders. You know, they're not only engineering wonders, but they're absolutely beautiful also. It's definitely on my bucket list to go see the the glass houses at Q Gardens in England someday. Yeah, mine too, since I only saw the temperate house. But that's okay. I've, I've seen a lot of great greenhouses and great conservatories. And in fact, Oklahoma and Indiana both have conservatories of their own. We have a small, I'll call it a small conservatory at um, Garfield Park, which is on the south side of Indianapolis. And it is a wonderful place to go, like I said, on a day like today when there's snow on the ground and the wind is whistling. It's just a tropical paradise inside. And they, they're great about doing all kinds of different shows. They might bring in some bonsai or they always have a big poinsettia display at Christmas. Right now, I think they have tulips that they force into bloom. So mm-hmm. that's a great place. And then up at Newfields, which is the name of the um, Museum of Art now, instead of calling it the Indianapolis Museum of Art, they call it Newfields. They have uh, a small greenhouse conservatory that people can go into 
tons of orchids in there, and it's always a pleasant place to step into on a winter day. Aren't there several houses kind of in a row, like three smaller yes. ones at the Museum of Art? That's how I remember it. The, yeah. Yes, you've been to both of I these. I remember that one. I have, and I love them both. Um, in Oklahoma, we have a very famous conservatory in the center of Oklahoma City, in downtown Oklahoma City. It's called the Crystal Bridge Tropical Conservatory. It's very famous for several reasons. It has some very famous plants inside, but also it's a big cylinder, and it was designed by I.M. Pei. Oh. And we are very, very proud of that conservatory. And they also run shows every year um, throughout the year, and I've been there a lot. Um, in February, they always have an orchid show, which I really enjoy. And then there are two small, smaller greenhouses, but what's special about those is that they are Lord and Burnham glasshouses, which are made in the United States. And one is called the Ed Lichen Conservatory in Oklahoma City's Will Rogers Park, and then Tulsa's Woodward Park also has one, too. And... Um, the one in Tulsa is a bit smaller than the one in Oklahoma City, but the one in Oklahoma City almost completely rotted, and they remade the whole thing. And they even made the curved glass. And there's only one place in the world where that curved glass is made anymore. So it was pretty special when they redid it, and we'll link to that too. In fact, I wrote a whole post on the one in uh, Will Rogers Park. It no longer has a bunch of plants in it. It's more used as a wedding venue, which it makes a beautiful wedding venue. And But the one in Tulsa's Woodward Park still has plants, or it did you know, when I was there six months ago. Which reminds me, I almost forgot about one other conservatory in Indianapolis, and that's out at the zoo at White River Gardens. They've got one as well. And it's because uh, it's affiliated with the zoo, I guess, there's always at least once a year that they have a big butterfly exhibit, and you go in and there's all kinds of exotic butterflies floating around, which is kind of cool. Our zoo does that too, and I think that's always so neat when they do that. That's really, really cool. Oh, one more thing about terrariums that we mustn't forget to tell people. Don't fertilize your plants. Yes, you don't really want rampant growth in there. No, you really, really don't. So, where can you find lots of inspiration about terrariums and glasshouses? My suggestion is if you're interested, one place, um, if you just want to go be overwhelmed with pictures of glass containers with plants in them, is to go to Pinterest and put glass plant containers, terrariums into the search, and you will get like scads and scads and scads of pictures. And eventually it all becomes like the same picture, but that's one place to start. You could go to my, if you go to my Pinterest page and go to, I have a board, I think I have a board both on conservatories, I think it's called glass houses, and I have one on terrariums too. And you could just follow those because I think I've pinned every one of those pictures in Pinterest. And then you will see them over and over again. We'll put a link to your Pinterest page in our notes as well. Okay, I'll go look for it. And then the other thing is I have the book called The New Terrarium by Tova Martin. It's from Timber Press, and she's got a ton of great ideas that aren't really that traditional, hey, my old fish aquarium is now a terrarium idea. She's got all kinds of interesting glass containers, um, plants, ways to display them. It's really a fun book. I have that book. I love that book. So this is the special surprise, Dee. I was looking around. I have two copies of this book. Nice. So for one lucky listener, I'm going to send them 
the new terrarium as a prize, plus a copy of my new book, Seated and Sodded Thoughts from a Gardening Life. And so all they have to all they have to do to enter is go to our Facebook page and leave a comment to let us know they're entering. And then from that, we'll draw a random person in about a week, and we'll put this on the show notes. We'll draw a random person, and then they will get copies of both. That sounds wonderful. That new terrarium book is a really good book. Um, she came and spoke in Oklahoma City for the Oklahoma Horticultural Society um, the year she put that book out. And I actually got to meet her. And she, even though I've talked to her on the phone and interviewed her for articles before, it was great to meet Tova. She's a very generous gardener and a really kind person. So I think that's cool. And she's got great taste in terrariums. She does. She has great taste in houseplants, because, period, because yes. she lives in a very cold climate, so she has to have houseplants. Yes. So one last thing before we go. we got to tie in vegetables, of course. Yes, because this is about flowers, vegetables, and all the best dirt. Everybody that grows seedlings inside in a flat and they put a dome over the, the flat once they sow the seeds... They're actually creating a little miniature terrarium in some sense. They are. Or at least growing growing under a plastic dome. Or growing, I mean, it's the same principles as growing under glass. My glass greenhouse right. isn't glass. It's actually three-ply or four-ply plastic because I live in dangerous Oklahoma. So you can't have a glass house that has glass. Right. So that's another, you know, so people think that terrariums are kind of exotic. Well... Guess what? When I start my tomato seeds, I'm putting them in sort of a terrarium-like environment until my little seedlings come up. And then once the seedlings come up, of course, I remove the container because you don't want it to be that wet for those those uh, seedlings. They're likely to get a bacteria called damping off that just kills them dead. Yes, right at soil level. Always special. Yes. You spend all that time and work, yes. and then the little things die. Darn them. Um, when will you start your tomato seeds? Not, well, you know, if you're going to go by the weather, I'm probably thinking early April at this point. Yeah, normally I start mine right about now, um, but I think I'm going to wait one more week and start mine. I really do because I just... It's so cold. It has been really cold, but you know what? I'm going to watch that weather forecast because we can go from, in Oklahoma, brutal cold to super warm. So I've just got to watch and make sure and then... I'll start those in my eggplant and my peppers. Yay. And my basil. Yay. I'm so, Sounds good. I am so ready. Are you ready? Beyond ready. Ugh, it has been a long, long year. One more thing I wanted to say before we sign off is there's a great book. It's an older book that is out there called Crystal Palaces. It's by Anne Cunningham. And when I was going through my Crystal Palace phase, I bought this book and I dreamed and dreamed. And it has all the great American uh, crystal palaces in it and it tells you exactly how they were made and how they came up with the idea and it's really good cool all right so just a reminder to people to enter the drawing to win a free copy of the new terrarium by tova martin and the my third book of garden humor seated and sodded go to the garden angelist on facebook and leave a comment there and then we'll choose from one commenter one comment mentor to win the books right one person who comments will win it'll be and and they need to live in the united states the continental united states because unfortunately 
mailing things to Canada and overseas costs an absolute fortune, and we don't make any money right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we told people we're, we're on Facebook as The Garden Angelus. We're also on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. You can email us at thegardenangelist at gmail.com. You can also, um, you also can subscribe to us. And I just put up a post on our Facebook page showing people how to subscribe, find a podcast, including ours, and how to subscribe to it on iTunes. There are also ways to do it on Google Play. Spot, we're now on Spotify, too. Um, just search for us online and hit that subscribe button, please. And then you won't miss any episodes. That's right. Because sometimes we get busy and we don't get every picture up all week long. That's right. All right. Well, that's it for this week, Dee. Thanks for joining us and chatting over the garden gate. Bye. Bye. Bye.